0: We are uh, continuing our series. We're looking at uh, Luke chapter 1 uh, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. Um, and uh, what we want to do is, is, many times, we want to talk about what we believe. And we want to talk about our feelings. Well, this is what I, I feel. And this is what I believe. But is it based on fact? And so what we did last week was, we dug in into the facts of... Um, The the birth of Christ and what that looked like in Luke chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 is where we really dug in. And last week we talked that our faith must be built on facts, not feelings. It's not a fable that Jesus was born in a stable. We have a narrative and it's been put together by Luke. And and, and in this world of, of fake news, in this world of horrible hoaxes and mixed up understandings that we see all around us. It can happen even back then. And there was a lot of things that happened, um, and and we want to look at the facts and and really dig in on those. And for us today, what I want us to dig into, what I want us to, to search out, is to be able to understand Mary's Christmas. How do we magnify Emmanuel. And so that's what I want us to do. I want us to to go through the process that Mary went through, because in order for her to have spiritual progress, there was a process that she had to walk through in her life. So let's start out by looking at the facts of Mary's life. Look with me at verses 26 through 27. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So as we dig into this, uh, we we start out by, by seeing in the sixth month. Now this wasn't mary's sixth month of her pregnancy she hadn't found out that she was even pregnant yet so where does this sixth month come into play well it was the sixth month of elizabeth's surgery and and, and elizabeth was pregnant with john the baptist and then we continue reading that gabriel is going to show up an angel is going to appear to her and when an angel appears to you, any angel, you kind of wonder what's going on, right? Well, but God didn't bring out just any angel. God brought out the big gun. Because when he needed something to be accomplished, when he knew that something had to happen, he brought out his MVP. He brought out the one that would make sure that he would get the job done. And that was the angel Gabriel. So he sent him to make this life-changing announcement. And where did it happen? It happened in this town of Nazareth. Now, if you don't know much about Nazareth, you would go, well, Nazareth must have been this busy metropolis and it was this big city because Jesus is going to come from a great city, right? And he's going to be born to, to a princess and, and he's going to have the king of, da- he's going to be the throne of David and everything's going to be awesome. Well, when we do a little bit of research and we find out where Nazareth was and and what was Nazareth really all about, it was a surprising choice. Because Nazareth was um, a little backward, to put it easy. It was filled with corruption and immorality. It wasn't some busy metropolis. Um, Back then, it was probably, and it's not a huge booming city even today... But back then, it would have been like two, maybe 400 people living in this town. And to really understand and get a grip of what people thought of Nazareth, we go to John chapter 1, verse 46. And then Nathaniel summed it up, summed up its reputation this way. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? I mean, think about that city that you may think of. You're like, really? You want to go there? I mean, like when we lived in Ohio, if you talked about the city or the town of Ironton, it was down on the Ohio River. It was known really for about one thing, opioids. Not something you'd really want to be known for, right? Um, the, it, it was just the way they would come off the river through Chillicothe and that whole area. And, and so it'd be like, really? There? Ann Arbor? Really? That's where you want to? <laughs> Some of you got it. Uh, I, 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 I've been good. I haven't mentioned anything yeah i had to get something in at least once um but the town of nazareth it it was it was small that's what we know it was small the womb carrying the son of the most high wasn't some princess but it was a peasant teenage virgin girl verse 27 mentions that mary is a virgin twice. It's twice mentioned here. She was betrothed to Joseph who was in the legal line of David. So those are the the facts of Mary's life. What's the setting of your situation right now? Think about your background in your life. I want you to understand that God can use your situation. Your background, your setting for your life right now. You may think it's not that great. You may think that that where you're at in life right now, how could God ever use me? And we're going to talk about that here in, in just a minute. But I want you just to stop and think about where you're at in your life. And you may be asking those types of questions here this morning. And what I want you to understand is that God is working in you right where you are. He is working His good, His glory, for His will to see the best in your life. So that's the facts. Now let's talk about the fear that was in Mary's heart. The fear that was in Mary's heart. As we continue the narrative, we come to verses 28 through 30. And Mary receives a birth birth announcement that will rock her peaceful plans and change the trajectory of human history. Let's dig in. It says, "And he came to her and said, that, "That's Gabriel, the angel." He came to her and said, "Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you." An angel shows up. The big gun, Gabriel, shows up, and he says, "O favored one, the Lord is with you." And you're like, eh, well, no. Keep reading." But she was greatly troubled at the saying. And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Wow. On the outside, where we read this, we read this as the narrative and we go, oh, this is so beautiful. Mary, scared to death, I think. And the angel shows up to you, I don't know about all this. We see power in it. And Mary's like, yeah, I see the power, the power of an angel standing before me. And he's going to tell me something that I'm really scared about. But this angel, Gabriel, he makes it personal for her as well. Gabriel says that she is favored it's only used once, one other time in the New Testament. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, where it means the free bestowal of grace. Now, I want to stop for just a second here because the salutation does not mean that Mary is, is full of grace and that she can forever bestow grace on others that she comes in contact with. The context here... Is that because the Lord is with her, because the Lord is with her, she is favored. While she has received grace, she is not the dispenser of grace. So we can pray the rosary and we can say all of the Hail Marys full of grace. But she cannot give that to us. Please make sure you understand that. And as we continue reading, we must also resist giving Mary titles that she herself would reject. Mary is not our co-redeemer. She is not our matri- matriarchs, our mediator. She is not the queen of heaven. By the way, if you hear someone mention the immaculate conception, that isn't speaking of Jesus and his immaculate conception, it's actually talking about that from the time that Jesus was conceived, Mary remained sinless the rest of her life. And so we have to be extremely careful. With this, and, and, and as we read through this, and as we understand, as we read through the rest of Luke, we're going to see that Mary didn't find herself and see herself as being sinless. She actually saw herself as being fully sinful. As we look forward and we drop down to verse 47, you'll notice Mary knows she is a sinner in need of saving because she refers to God as my Savior. I'm reminded of the lyrics that Justin just sang for us. This child that you delivered will what? Yeah, soon deliver you. Mary was unsettled because she did not think of herself as highly favored. The the phrase greatly troubled, it means to be confused, perplexed alarmingly agitated. She more than anyone knew her shortcomings. She more than anyone knew that she wasn't highly favored. And what kind of a greeting would this be? Because, um, um, Gabriel, I think you have the wrong house. Because I'm not that person that you're speaking of. She knew her shortcomings. She was also alarmed and afraid, we read. Which is the word where we get phobia from. To be apprehensive, to be frightened. Mary was afraid because none of this was in her plans. you ever have that happen to you? You, you, you have your life planned out, right? So I'm going to get married when I'm 26 and I'm going to have four kids Um, and I'm not going to have my first kid until I'm 30 and I'm going to spread them out, um, a year and a half. And that way they're still good friends, but they're far enough apart that I can start getting them potty trained and, and you have all the plans, right? And I'm going to save money and all of them are going to be able to go to college and they're all going to be smart. So I'm not going to have to really save that much money because they're all going to have, um, scholarships and and everything's going to be just taken care of, right? Yeah. I, we have our own plans, and i'm going to marry a nurse and she's going to provide for me and i'm not going to have to work that much and that went out the window too where'd she go she's not even in here this service um you know so we we have our plans right this wasn't in mary's plan mary didn't think oh i'm going to get pregnant when i'm a teenager and it's going to be uh, immaculate and i'm going to have to explain to joseph and joseph's going to go oh that's so wonderful This wasn't in her plan, and she was afraid, and she was frightened, and she was scared altogether. It was all strange. It was all new to her. We do the same thing, don't we? We have our plans. And then God says, hey, I got some plans for you. Because we all want to pray, your will be done, right? Yes, God, your will be done. As long as it doesn't mean working in the nursery. Your will be done as long as it means um, staying in my home state of Montana. And God says, so I want you to move to Washington, D.C. where you're going to sit in traffic for three hours a day. And the only traffic you had in Montana was if there was an elk on the road. God, are you sure about that? God, I'm going to follow your plans, but did you really mean... That you wanted me to go to Mozambique, Africa? I I think you meant something else. And, and, And we have our own plans. And the moment that God starts messing with those plans, immediately fear starts to creep up. That's where Mary found herself. What fear, what phobia is holding you back? What fear is gripping your heart? Let's keep looking forward. We've seen the facts of Mary's life. We've seen the fear in her heart. But instead of following her fear to paralyze her, she was fascinated. The fascination in Mary's mind. Because she's now going to listen to what this archangel Gabriel is going to tell her about her son. And the more she listens to it, she's able to deal with some of her fears. And she just becomes fascinated with all of the things in her life about her son. Look at verses 31 through 34. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? Since I am a virgin. And though she's a a virgin. She will become pregnant. I wonder if that just. At that moment she just kind of stopped breathing. Ladies I want you to think about. um, Not immaculately. But the first time that you conceived. And whether it was planned. Or not. You looked at that test strip. And immediately, kind of fear froze over your life. We're getting pregnant and it's going to be awesome. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And everything starts flooding into your mind. She was going to become pregnant outside the normal process of conception. And that's what really threw her for a loop. Have you ever noticed uh, the name... Of Jesus is given to Mary before she's ever even conceived. Jesus. Before she ever became pregnant, the name Jesus was given to her. And the name Jesus, it's important for us to understand. Because it comes from the Hebrew word of of Yeshua. It's a form of, of Joshua. It's very popular in the Jewish culture. Because many parents, they wanted their son to be named as the leader of Israel's conquest over Canaan. Some parents even picked the name with the hopeful expectation, well, that if I name my son this, maybe he'll be chosen as the Messiah. But from the very beginning, her son was set apart as Savior. His name was chosen by God himself. And in the Hebrew, the name Yeshua, it means Jehovah Salvation. His name means salvation. When Gabriel later appeared to Joseph to clear up some of the confusion, the meaning of Jesus' name and his mission is clarified again in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, Christmas is irrevocably linked to the redemption of our sins. The incarnation happened so the crucifixion could take place. Bethlehem's baby only makes sense in light of Calvary's crucified Savior. But then Mary is told what her son will be like. He will be great. The word great means exceedingly mighty and extraordinary. It echoes back to Psalm 47 verse 2 where we read, How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. Emmanuel is the awesome Lord. The one who will be held by his mother is the same one who holds everything in the palm of his hands. So he will be great and he will be the son of the Most High. Here's the mystery of the Incarnation. Jesus is the Son of Mary and the Son of the Most High God. The title Most High in the Old Testament is El Elyon in Hebrew. And it is a statement of God's surpassing supremacy. There is no one higher than He is. He is Savior. He is Sovereign. He is Creator. He is Crucified. And then we keep reading that he will be given the throne of David. Gabriel now tells her that Jesus will fulfill the prophecy given to David that someone will sit on his throne, but will sit on his throne forever. We read this in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12-13. through 13, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. Who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall, be, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. While Mary's mind is fascinated by all of this, I wonder if she's beginning to realize the ramifications of all of this. I wonder if it just started to sink in because we've already talked about her being afraid and I think in all of this fascination there's still that level of, of fear that is happening. What's Joseph going to think? What's my family going to think? I mean, her dad was probably going to respond like every other father because they forget how it happens when you go to them and say, Dad, I'm pregnant. How? How? You'll get that one later. Is her heart starting to break? We come to verse 34. We get the sense Mary can't process any more data. And then she vocalizes it. She, I mean, she's listened to everything that Gabriel has said. And, and as it's all flooding through her mind, she's listening to all of this. But she just has to stop. And she says, uh How can this be since I'm a virgin? Love found Mary that silent night. Because heaven heard her hurts. She was able to lift her head and her heart. Friends, Emmanuel will meet you right where you are. And in that case, Mary needed to stop right there in that moment because... She was having a really hard time processing through all of this. And wherever you're at in your life right now, you may be having a hard time processing what is happening, but He will meet you exactly where you are. He knows your questions. He knows your name. You're the very reason that He came. He came for you. And he wants to set you free. And he will answer any question that you have of him. You see, God moves us through a specific process so that we can make spiritual progress. Let's go back to Mary's question. She says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? By the way, this further proves the virgin birth. She's not mocking the impossible, but instead is acting, asking a very practical question. How can this be? I've never been with a man. I'm only a teenager. I don't understand the whole process, but I know that something has to happen for this to happen. I don't understand Gabriel. She could have responded with a lack of faith like Zechariah did. If we go back uh, to Luke chapter 1 verse 18. um, Zechariah responded to Gabriel uh, when he was told he was going to be a father. He says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and and my wife is advanced in years. You see, Zechariah wasn't really asking a question. He was really stating, I can't believe it. But here, according to verse 45. Mary believed, but she was befuddled. She just really was having a hard time wrapping her mind around how all of this is going to work. It wasn't whether it could happen, but it was more practically, how will this happen? Zechariah wanted proof. Mary wanted to know the process. So we've looked at the facts of Mary's life. We've observed the fear in her heart and the fascination in her mind. And all of this leads her to engage by demonstrating faith. The faith of Mary's will. Gabriel's answer makes it very clear how this will happen. The Holy Spirit's will bring about this wonder in Mary's womb. Look at verse 35. It says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The word overshadow in the Old Testament is speaking of God's Shekinah glory. And, And that Shekinah glory was what was manifested around the Ark of the Covenant to show His presence was there. Verse 35 continues, Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. You see, this verse declares three things about the Savior, Savior, all of which are absolutely necessary for salvation to happen. He was a man. He was the child to be born. He was sinless. He will be called holy. And he was God, the Son of God. We could say it like this because he is a man he is our substitute because he is holy he is sin he is the sinless sacrifice and because he is god he is sovereign you see he is the sovereign sinless substitute jesus became what he had never been before without losing what he had been for all of eternity jesus had to be born of a woman So that he would have the same nature as those whom he came to save. He had to be born of a woman. And because of that nature, he knows what it's like to be sick. He knows what it's like to feel lonely. He knows what it's like to be hungry and to be sad, to be cold, to be hot. He understood what it was like to lose a loved one. To have friends upset with him. To have family walk away from him because of his faith. He knew what it was like to go through everything that we go through. He knew what it was like to be angry. Yet he remained sinless. But he also had to be God in order for the sacrifice To be accepted. So after pointing Mary to the miracle of Elizabeth's pregnancy. In verse 37 we hear a statement that each one of us needs to memorize. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. Some of you feel that you're in an impossible situation right now. Some of you feel that you're in impossible situations right now. It's not just one, but it is multiple situations that you just think they are impossible and there's no way that I could ever work through it. Mary's Christmas demonstrates what we can do. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a pile of debt. Maybe it's The grief and loss of a loved one. Wondering if you'll ever get married. Worried about a child or a parent. Longing for courage to face a trial. Just overwhelmed with life. Whatever it is, nothing is impossible with God. Are you afraid? Do you feel lost? Lonely? Is your marriage melting down? Do you just feel like you're too tired to go on? Have you given up hope that your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups will ever end? Nothing is impossible with God. Do you ever just wonder if your anger will ever subside? That you'll ever be able to control it. Nothing is impossible with God. If God can reach all the way down from the throne of heaven to the body of a teenager. If he can enter time from eternity. If the infinite can become an infinite. Nothing is impossible with God. He can help you control whatever it is that you are struggling with. But here's the thing. You have to be willing to give it over to him. That's what you must do. Mary didn't really have much that she could give to God. She was a a, a peasant teenage girl from a small backward town. But what she could do, she was willing to give. Verse 38 is an incredible statement of faith. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And with this, Christmas came into the world. She was willing to give in to God's will, which her son will one day do as well. Maybe your circumstances don't look right at this moment. Will you trust his timing? Perhaps you've been angry with God because you don't like what's really happening in your life. Are you ready to surrender to the Savior? Are we willing to say, let it be to me according to your word? Mary exhibited two essential ingredients of faith that I want to share to you as we bring all of this to the end. First, she had submissive servanthood. Submissive servanthood in essence mary is saying i'm yours i am your servant i am your handmaiden you tell me what you need to do and that is exactly what i will do i am your property god and i will do whatever you have called me to do and secondly she had an unconditional obedience she basically says i will do whatever you want that is radical commitment Many of us want to be able to say that, right? We want to unconditionally say, God, I am yours and you do what you want. As long as it's not being a door greeter. God, I will unconditionally be yours if I don't have to work with middle schoolers. God, I will unconditionally be yours. Just don't send me to the soup kitchen. God, I am unconditionally yours Don't send me to Haiti. We want to put stipulations. And Mary said, God, I'm I'm yours. And I don't understand it. I'm still afraid of what I'm going to do and how I'm going to handle this and and what my parents are going to think. and, and, And if Joseph is even going to let any of this happen, remember... At this moment, Joseph could have stopped it all from happening. He could have had Mary stoned to death. Mary knew all of this, and yet she said, God, your will be done. Can you say to God, I am yours, and I will do whatever it is that you want? Here's the principle. God works within us before he works through us. God has to do a work in you before he can use you to do his work. You have to be willing to let him do work inside of your life. Christmas isn't so much about what you get, but it's about what you give. Have you ever given yourself over to Jesus? That's the only present you can offer. Frankly, it's the only one that He wants. I have one more point that I want to make. And I want us to focus on Mary's words. The focus of Mary's words. We're not going to take the time to read through the end here of verses 46 through 55. But I want to just kind of read a couple of things. And I encourage you when you go home today, this week, I want you to read through Mary's song says my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him Ma- Mary can't help but glorify God for all that he has done and she chose to live on mission. For some of you here this morning, it's time to make a decision in your life. It's time to say, hey, I need to get right with God. And I don't have a lot to offer Him, but again, I want to remind you, neither did Mary. But what she gave was all that she had. That's what God's asking of you, to give your life over to him. And if you've never done that and you need to accept him, I'm going to be in the back and a couple of the elders, they're going to be in the back with me and we'd love to talk to you about what that means. Maybe this Christmas season, there's some things that you're struggling with and you need prayer of, of how to overcome them and how to move past them. Maybe it is that, that anger or it's a job situation. It, it's, it's, a, it's a parent who is aging. You're not for sure how to handle it. It's children that are a little wayward. Whatever it might be, we're going to be in the back. We'd love to, to pray with you and to talk with you just to listen. But whatever decision you have to make, will you make it as we continue our worship? Please stand.